the meeting correctly at the same time. So here we are. What we're going to talk about today, technically the title is Marriage and the Mobble, but really the real title should have been A Gay Marriage and the Mobble, but I was afraid I might get fired from my job. Uh, and what we're going to talk about are some chazal on the reasons behind why the mobble occurred and then what HaKadosh Baruch Hu had in mind and what he considered to be unacceptable. So why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu send a great flood to destroy the entire world? So if we look at the end of Parshas Barashas last week, Vayar Hashem ki rabo ro'as ha'odam bo'aretz. Hashem saw how great human wickedness was on earth. B'chol yetzer machavos libo rak rak kol hayom. Every plan devised by a human mind, every thought that humans had was nothing but evil all the time. And Hashem regretted making mankind on earth and had a sorrowful heart and said, So I'm going to destroy all creation except Noah. And in this week's Parsha, Parsha's Noah, early on in the first Aliyah, right away at the beginning, and the earth had become corrupt before Hashem. It was filled with lawlessness. So what does it mean, this lawlessness and corruption? So if you go to Vayikra Rabbah, it gives several different reasons for what the corruption was and what happened. So it says in Vayikra, Tani Rabbi Yishmael, it says in Parsha Zachremos that we lean on Yom Kippur, don't follow the example of the deeds of Mitzrayim and Kina'an. Because Ani Hashem So Rabbi Chia says, what does it mean, Ani Hashem? Why does it say the name Hashem twice in this Pasuk? Ani hu sheparat midor umistom I am the one who caused recompense, who punished the dor hamabul, Sodom, and Mitzrayim, and so too in the future, I will demand compensation, I will punish those who do the same deeds as the Dorhamabel, Sidon, and Mitzrayim. So the terrorist he gives is because of, of adultery, because of Znus that was uh, committed, heterosexual immorality was common, which would make sense as well in Mitzrayim and other places of immoral communities. But Amar Rabbi Simlai, you only find this kind of huge widespread destruction that kills good and evil alike when you have a znus component, because that's a real violation of all moral codes. But Rav Huna B'Shem Rabbi Yossi Amar, Dor Olam, Ela Al Kosfu Gumasiyos L'Zachar Unikeva. He brings a different reason. He says, the reason the Dar HaMabul was destroyed was because Ksubos, legal marriage documents, were written between men and women. And the Mepharshim will say that this is a censorship passage because Zachar Unikeva is what a Ksuba is between a man and a woman who marry. Rather, it was Girsa Sa'aruch Lezachar Ulebehema. A man wrote a Ksuba to another man which meant basically legal constitutional marriage, that this was the chet of the Dor Hamabul, Hamabul that constituted completely stepping over the line, somehow was legitimized gay marriage. And in the Sifri and Achremos, they say much the same. They say, what was it that they did? 
A man married another man, a woman married another woman, or cases of incest or cases of polygamy, all of which are in some societies today and on the internet certainly kind of legalized in terms of an approach to personal morality. If I want to do it and nobody's getting hurt, what's so terrible? The Gemara in Chulin, Daftsadi Beis on the Beis, brings up the same subject. There's a Pasuk in Zechariah that talks about 30 pieces of silver. What are these 30 pieces of silver? Ula Amar, Elu Shloshim Mitzvah, Shekibu and Bnei Noach. The Bnei Noach accepted upon themselves, the other nations, 30 mitzvot, being the Kaiman Elo Shlosha. But there's only, there's only three that they are Mekayim. But one of those mitzvot is that in most non-Jewish societies, as well as Jewish societies, they do not write a ksuba, they do not write a marriage contract for a wedding between two males. And Rashi says, even though they might be chashed for homosexuality, even though uh, uh, a zahar might be latashmish personal behavior choices, but ain nohagin kalis rosh bemitzvazu called kach sheikasulahem ksuba. But even a non-Jewish secular society would never reach the point. Never says Rashi, a thousand eleven hundred years ago, of writing a ksuba and legitimizing on a social cultural wide basis the idea of homosexual marriage being normalized, which is interesting. So a woman who is part of the Feminist Sexual Ethics Project at Brandeis University, a woman named Gail Leibovitz, says something really interesting. What all of these sources suggest, she says, is that in the rabbinic mindset, giving societal recognition to same-sex marriage is among the most egregious violations that human beings can commit. It's not the behavior of the individual and what they may or may not do in the privacy of their own room. It's the societal acceptance of it, apparently, only non-Israelites might be suspected of sanctioning such relationships. There is no suggestion that Jews, that Israelites, would ever consider such a thing. Uh, homosexual contact, especially between men, is already highly stigmatized in rabbinic literature. But marriage between members of the same gender goes beyond forbidden sexual acts between individuals to the level of societal approval of this sin. When sin is no longer recognized as sin by a society, the rabbis would assert that society loses its right to exist, like the Dorhamabel or the defeated Egyptians and Canaanites, or Sodom, such a society deserves to be swept away, she writes. She's not making a value judgment, because I presume that she may disagree with that concept, but she's really doing a very good job of articulating what it is that the Chazal are telling us. It, we live in a time where if I said such a thing in a classroom or even among many members of my family, I would be roundly criticized and ostracized for being a conservative old white man, which of course in many ways I am. I am the right demographic, but it is fascinating to me that of all the chat, all the chet, all the averis that could have been performed in society before the mabel, before widespread worldwide cataclysm, somehow it was the legitimization of, of non-normative heterosexual marriage that is considered to be absolutely the point of no return. That's the, the edge of what's permitted. So why is that such a big deal? Or do we have any other proof of that? So to that, as I wrap up, I go back to Nachyomi, and I go back to a king, the father of the wicked Achav, who lost his Olam Haba, 
a man named King Omri of Malchus Yisrael, who was six kings or so in after Yeruvah, uh, some several hundred years before the Churban, and in all ways, apparently a very decent king, a king who built up Eretz Yisrael, it gets credit for that in the Gemara, a king who built the first real dynasty in Malchus Yisrael, where although he took power violently, his son Achav took it peacefully and died, still king, handing it over to his son, which in Malchus Yisrael never happened. But the Psukim say in Pasuk Tesayin, Pasuk Chav, uh, Perik Tesayin, Pasuk Chavhei, Bayase Omri Hora Be'inei Hashem, Omri did that which was wicked in the eyes of God, like every other king of Israel. And he was worse than all who preceded him. So why is he worse? He followed the same chet as Yerav, I'm doing Avodah Zarah. He layered on new Avodah Zarah. He brought in Avodah Zarah from the, the uh, Sidon, from Tyre, the Phoenician gods. What's so wrong? So to wrap it up, I quote the one who I always love to quote, Nachiomi, Rabbi Alex Israel from England and now Eretz Israel, who says there's a certain inconsistency in the Psukim here. If Amri followed all the ways of Yeruvam, why is he worse by your Amikolasher Lufanov? We can possibly suggest that it was Amri who set the negative trajectory of the kingdom, aligning it through economic, cultural, religious ties with the wealthy region of Phoenicia. But he forged these ties, including the marriage of his son Achav, to a Phoenician princess, Izebel, the famous Jezebel daughter of Esbaal, whose name was with Baal. Omri planted the seeds of religious waywardness, even if it was during the reign of his son Achav that the poisonous flowers of his reign bore fruit. What he did was he normalized sin and made it part of the culture. That is something in our tolerant age that we regard as an asset in most of American culture and society. But what the Dar Hamabul is teaching us, and I'm sorry to say it if I come and sound intolerant, is that normalizing certain absolutely, I can't dress it up, deviant or abnormal or not social behaviors. Or Soloveitchik says the mitzvah of fruit revu is to keep the human race going. And the one thing a non-heterosexual relationship will never do is to keep maintaining the human race. And so that is regarded by Chazal as purposeless and even as damaging to who we are and what we're supposed to believe in. So without being uh, cruel to anybody you may know who may have a lifestyle choice that works for them, let us bear in mind that we are supposed to be an Am Kohanim and a Dar, we're supposed to be a, a nation of Kedoshim if we possibly can. Because after Achremos and all the forbidden relationships comes Kedoshim, Kedoshim Tihiyu, La'ashem Elokeichem. And Hashem's name being used, as the Chazal said, was a sign that the Dar HaMabal was somehow violating that. So thank you for listening. Uh, apologies if anybody was offended, uh, although there's probably not much I can do about that. And have a great day. Thank you for the opportunity.